What's going on, friends, and welcome back to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. We have been in the throes of a criminal empire and a war and the sends of Tatooine. So we have had a little bit of a break from the normal episodes, but I wanted to get back into those in a big, bad way uh, while we're in the midst still of that Boba coverage, which is still happening over on our sister show, The Mandatorian Creed. Tori and I have been taking a look at all the episodes, having discussions that are all at least like an hour and 40 minutes apiece. Like we've been having such a blast with this season, but the core of Octa Radio has always been the one-on-one guest-focused episodes, all of the deep dives, the inside the actor studio of Star Wars. You know, not that I'm putting myself on the level of James Lipton, but you know, you try. Today we have a very special guest, somebody that I've become, you know, we were always like internet acquaintances, friends. And then over the past literally few weeks, become very tight knit and and we run now way more directly in the same circles than we ever did. Um, you know, what I'm saying is we're group chat friends now, which is a huge step. You know this person, this legend, this man from the Nerd Academy podcast networks, wonderful shows, all of this content. It's an entire team of people rotating cast. And our guest today is one of them. The shows include the Star Wars focused Knights of the Nerd Republic, which is where we first worked together. You can find me over there on one of their recent episodes we were talking about about Book of Boba, talking about High Republic, talking about Lego Star Wars. And after that, I was like, well, we got to get you on the show. And that is Jared Bachman Stubbs here today. How you doing? Hi, I'm great. I'm excited. That was, that was a phenomenal intro. Thank you. <laughs> just riffing, just riffing. And I, very rarely have I ever taken a note on this show. Maybe I should. Um, it would help me in my own edits. Um, but... <laughs> But yeah, so again, Nerd Academy it's got five different shows. Knights of the Nerd Republic is one of them, which is where you'll find all of that Star Wars love and passion. But it really does permeate everything you do. For people that are like Jared Bachman Stubbs, you might know him better as Jared the Dark Jedi. Uh, Jared the Dark Jedi yeah. is, is that that personal branding, that superhero moniker online, that screen name. We still call them screen names. I don't know. Maybe that's like something like that. Yeah, something like that. The, the MySpace generation. But yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's been really great getting to know you, man, and I'm excited to dive into your background with Star Wars, your background with geek culture overall, how you got into actually wanting to participate in it instead of just look at it, instead of just love it, because there is always that push that happens where someone says, oh, I could make this part of my life. I could do either content about this, I could be a pundit about this, or whatever that step is. So first of all, how are you, given you know, the crazy state of the world, given the, you know, sometimes isolating feeling that we're going through, how has it been affecting you creatively, all that? Uh, you know, it, it's been strange, you know, as I've, as I've said on a lot of the teen app stuff, I, I'm, I'm a bartender by day. So the very beginning of the pandemic and the beginning of the isolation period, uh, I, I was not essential until we decided we were going to go back to half existing like normal, at which point I became essential. Hmm. And then Pennsylvania shut itself down again in the middle. So it's just been this really weird uh, wave I've been riding of like, you know, locked up in my house, like as quarantined as I could quarantine, possibly just not seeing a single other human being. And then it turned into, oh, uh, time for you to go back to the bar that's full of, you know, wild, like, like, like people who have that I'm older and like hysterically conservative hmm. bend. So like 
most of my clientele is like anti-vaxxers. And I've, uh, I, I have a couple people who are actually Q-pilled when I figured that out. That was a lot of fun. Oh, uh, yeah. Cause I, I would, I would walk by people listening to their phone while they were uh, like outside having a smoke or whatever. And I was like, that sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. And then a couple weeks ago, actually uh, one of them just kind of outed themselves. And like an hour later, my girlfriend showed up to the bar uh just we're gonna hang out after work and she came in and i had this big old smile on my face and i actually put it on twitter i was like hey one of my pa-, i was like one of my regulars just revealed that they're q pilled my mom owes me 20 bucks because uh, my mom and i bartended at the same place and i told her almost a year ago i was like this chick i don't know where she was on jane six like that's what- <laughs> like- yeah i mean and that's something like- that like we'll for sure get into because you much like me and, and like a few of our friends, uh, this whole Star Wars thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something crazy, kind of political. I don't know if people <laughs> I don't know if people have noticed, but it, it feels increasingly relevant over time and there are things about it that in terms of where we are with the, the battle over the vaccine, the battle over investigating January 6th, the battle over just the, the political uh, fracturing of the right and just everything that has been happening, it recontextualizes, I think, a lot of stuff that circa 2015, maybe people were like, I don't know about that. I don't know that there would be a first order. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. There absolutely would be a first order. There would be multiple factions of the first order each dumber than the next and because that stuff does not go away and that's something that they have made the point of i think in some great ways and you know it, to put it in other geek terms it gets constantly said every time a jurassic park film comes out why do they keep trying this that's so stupid and it's like <laughs> covid has proved to me that they would absolutely keep trying it yeah we've we've absolutely proven that we don't know how to handle the dinosaurs if anything i think the most unrealistic thing about the Jurassic Park movies is that they're acknowledging the dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The dinosaurs would absolutely be branded a hoax. Uh, yeah. today. Like, I never, never saw one walk down the street. Never seen it. Could, can't be possible. But yeah, yeah, these dinosaurs are a false flag. These the dinosaurs. dinosaurs. The globalist dinosaurs. <laughs> the globalist. The dinosaur, the dinosaur agenda. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's just absolutely uh, uh, unsettling in a lot of ways to see the parallels between everything. But there's also good parallels, thankfully. Um, there is these oh, are yeah. stories about hope, um, as, yes. they, as they will the say. Core. Despite the fact that you're a dark Jedi, which we'll talk about, we're going to talk about um, your pro- proclivity toward the complexity, the, toward the dark side, toward the, the characters that struggle um, in terms of all the eras and everything and the, and the characters that you're most interested in. <laughs> I'm um, very excited for that conversation because part of my answer is going to sound really dumb. Oh, I'm, I I welcome it. I welcome <laughs> the dumb answer. Um, but yeah, so let's let's take it all the way back to the beginning. It's always where I love to start because everybody's eyes in is a little bit different. You and I are around the same age. Um, so I'm curious what it was, if it was the parent, a sibling, was it a friend or, or some sort of book? I've heard all answers from special editions to scholastic book fairs to the library to parents, everything. Why this? Were you already a nerdy kid and Star Wars was just the the epitome or did it sort of push you into all of that? Yeah, I, my dad tried. My dad tried. He was, he sat me down. He was like, we're going to give this Star Wars thing a try. He's like, I love this as a kid. Uh, My dad's still a Star Wars fan. You know, he hasn't tried to make a career out of it, obviously, but you know, he's, he's into the stuff. 
And uh, he was like, I think, you, I think you'll like this. And I was like two or three. And I hated it. I was terrified. I was like the firefight between the Imperials and the Rebels at the very beginning, mm. like in that like uh, docking area on Tanta V4. Yeah. And then Vader came out and I was like, turn it off. Nope. Nope. Wow. I'm done. I'm out. And he told me, he told my mom, and she, and he was like, I can't believe like this spooked him. And my right. mom was like, give it another shot. And I was like, all right. And then I watched it and I muscled through the very beginning. And then ever since. So you, I mean, with that, you were doing already, you know, some of the core lessons of Star Wars. You're conquering fear, pushing yourself through it. Do you recall what resonated with you right off the bat? Was it, you know, these creatures, these these droids? This, I mean, the word droid. That's where we all learn the word droid. Um, what are yeah. these robots? Oh, these robots are like his friends. They have emotions. Oh, what's this? A lightsaber. And there's so much stuff that obviously has continued to permeate your life you and i both have star wars tattoos you've got a lightsaber on your arm you've got kylo ren tats like like what what was it that initially captured your imagination in terms of the iconography of the story uh it, that's <laughs> so i i don't remember having like a huge like love of the original trilogy as a kid you know i was i'm i'm 23 i was born in 1998 so I, I'm that weird generation that was like semi uh, product of the prequel generation, mm. uh, but also very much a part of the dark times, you know, I, or like the second dark time. Yeah. So video games and clone wars. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. Video game books and clone wars. And we, so my dad and I, we put, we had the, like, the original Xbox and he and I played uh, star Wars, Obi-Wan together a lot i don't know if you or anybody listening is familiar with it yeah uh it is terrible game uh (laughs) even by the era uh standards um awful you know i always have loved the phantom menace it's a story that i i i I just love it i think so much of it aesthetically uh is the dna of star wars you know i think scotty from bombad cast uh is absolutely right when he says like that is kind of george doing the most george shit george can do and uh i love it so yeah so like a lot of that like aesthetic of phantom menace that permeates star wars Mm obi-wan wrote me in uh you know one of the cool things that again i think like the lightsaber like as a concept of the concept of being like of, of a jedi and this mm-hmm. like hero monk warrior swashbuckler hero type thing just like i i loved um the thing that i think really made me love the like the lightsaber as a concept was like the the core mechanic of the game and what it did kind of set itself apart from most other action games uh let alone star wars games is that instead of like the usual you know right trigger or x uh or square or whatever is your like use your attack button uh you use the right joystick and that dictated the direction with which you swung your lightsaber Mm. and there is something that now again as an adult, and I replay that game once a year, uh, at least. As an adult, I realize there's a lot of design issues that happen because you can't control the camera. And yeah. as a kid, I just assumed, oh, like, I'm five and I'm bad at video games. Yeah. 
Uh, and then I replay I'm it at 23. Problem. I'm the problem. I replay the game, and I'm like, oh no, the cam. I can't move the camera. I can't see shit. Yeah, uh, that is definitely. Uh, you you almost have definitely a mistake, but you have to respect it because that's a good. That's a big swing. You know, like that. It is a very big swing. That's it's very big in a, in a development meeting, being like, what about this? And then nobody took the thought to the next stage, which should have been, wait, what about the camera? They were all just so jazzed about that idea that they were like, yes, swinging the lights, of course. And then yeah. I would love to see a game try that again with like a better like pre-programmed camera movement or another yeah. way to manipulate the camera. Sure. Because uh, I, I, I think it's a cool concept and I think it could work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this game laid the groundwork for it, certainly, but... Uh, but yeah, there was just having the control of it, uh, truly, I think is something that hooked me. Uh, I also joke all the time that like I have this weird like uh, proclivity and love of the prequel era Jedi Council. Mm. And a lot of that is because there were bonus missions in Obi-Wan where you'd spar with the Jedi Council. Mm. Uh, and it was pretty much everyone on that council except for Yoda, Yaddle, Yeropoof, and Opa Rancisis. And because that'd be kind of hard to animate them. Sure. Uh, so they just gave you all the humanoids. <laughs> yeah, all the Obi-Wan so, reskins that they could get away with. Yeah, yeah. Before they was, yeah. Just, okay, get rid of the hair. Okay, now make them black. Okay, okay, yeah. now make the head long. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just had so much fun with that. Like, I, 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 I fell in love with the Jedi. I fell in love with the lightsaber. Uh, and I, I really do think that, like, not even Phantom Menace, this awful spinoff game is the thing that was truly the thing that uh, made me latch onto the franchise. Uh, and, like, the main menu music was, like, Duel of the Fates, but, like, the calmer part was just, like, the strings. Like, it was just, like, the calm part. Yeah. Like, you didn't really get the... Yeah, no choir. Like, going, keep it chill. Keep it yeah, chill. Yeah, yeah. It's menu. chill menu music, and I, and because of that, like as a little kid, I'd just be walking around going. My mom wanted to like throw me into the yard, and just go, <laughs> leave. I can't take it anymore. Uh, it's, it's her fault because she was like, "No, I think you'd like the Star Wars thing." So all, all of this is my mother's fault. It's, it's she's to blame. One little push from from Jared's mom. I mean, that's all it takes, you know. And and sometimes it is those small. Um, things that you can look back on and be like, critically, that didn't really track. That didn't really um, hold up or doesn't hold up now, but, uh, you know, as an adult. But all it takes is that bit of connective tissue. And, and it's, I love that for you, it was how powerful, how graceful, like the responsibility of a lightsaber. Like you communicate it to a child through giving them the ability to like really do it and or really do it by those standards and how much that ties in with stuff that you're seeing on screen about Obi-Wan and stuff. And, and the, the theme of knights and knighthood obviously has played throughout your entire life to the point where it's in the name of your Star Wars show. And you are such a, like me, a, a person that appreciates the lore side of Star Wars, um, the mythic side, the, the dark side and the light, the sword wielding um, legendary heroes and villains and in-betweens and how all of that plays into Star Wars. You and I have had some great conversations already, you know, on your show about higher public and the way that those Jedi uh, function, the way they don't function and in comparison to the prequel council and prequel order. Um, and all of that starts with one silly swinging mechanic on a right, on a right stick on a controller. And that's, that is such a star Wars thing. You know, that was your first step into that larger world as it were. And all of that is so, um, it just speaks to how 
it's important, you know, to get the story out there in every way that they can. If it's games, if it's books, if it's comics, that's why I think right Absolutely. now these kids are, they're living in a golden age. They have no idea. Oh, they are. So spoiled. They're so spoiled and I love it for them. Yeah, I do too. So in terms of why that connects with you, were you as a child, you know, cause you're, you're a little bit younger than me, but still in the same age group that you would have you know, been around for a, a lot of the same stuff. Was Star Wars immediately your main thing or were you also um okay so that's there there were things i loved that are comparable to star wars and to this day you know like as a kid i was super into superheroes super into harry potter you know uh, all all, all of that stuff but star wars is different it always has been different you know even to this day like the way that we the nerd academy stuff handle our content like and granted, everybody agreed with me with the logic I used for it. But whenever we set off on our own to do the Nerd Academy, I said, I was like, one of the wiser things going on at Do Back Discussion, like the decision made was like, Star Wars needs to stand on its own. There's, there's too much there conceptually. And then there's too much nuance to what Star Wars is as a franchise and as a fandom uh, to lump it in with other cape stuff. Because you, you, you arrive at one of two things. Either Star Wars gets severely undercovered or it takes over everything. And I, I don't know if that's my own bias, you know, if it's like, you know, because I love Star Wars so much on such a different level than anything else. Yeah. Uh, I have to cover it that way. You have to engage on the, because it would feel dishonest if you weren't. And, and I completely relate to that as well, where I could, not, I could not begin to fathom how I would have the conversations that I have on the show if it was a segment um, on a larger show. And I've seen oh, people yeah. try to attempt it and some people succeed uh, more so than others, and I think. But it's never, it never really fully feels like the themes have been explored, like the characters have been explored. It ends up being more... Well, we can do Star Wars movie and TV news, uh, but we can't really dive into what stuff means. And, I, and you know, exactly. you and I are both what it means people. And I think that yeah. even propose a, a third option to what you said. It's undercovered. It takes over everything. Or it falls into this cyclical false comparison uh, conversation where if it's on, a, if it's on a, a show with Marvel or DC, you end up in conversations about, why doesn't Star Wars do things like Marvel when they are so inherently built differently that I would not want? Yeah, they are. The, the themes are not the same. And that is its own complex conversation unto itself. Yeah, yeah, is I mean, the nature of the relationship between the MCU and Star Wars. Yeah, and it's it, it's such a fundamentally misunderstood thing where people see MCU with an interlocking story. And they say, why can't Star Wars do that? And it's like, well, Star Wars was never built that way. You would have to fundamentally change it after 40 years. And not to say that it can't grow and change, and it is. But you hear it all the time with like, when Disney got it in 2015, they should have marveled it. And it's like, well, imagine if they had for a second. Let's imagine an alternate universe where there would have been a Ray movie, a Poe movie, a Finn movie, and a Kylo Skywalker's movie. Maybe we see like, you know, the, the family drama movie. That would have had people very likely frustrated and annoyed 
that they were not just getting episode seven. Um, so it's, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It had to be build the core narrative and branch out instead of taking the branches and building a core yep. narrative. I agree with you completely. It. And the elements where they did somewhat try to marvel it with Rogue One and Solo, you know, what happened to Solo? Which is its own complex conversation about right. how, you know, yeah. Disney basically sent that movie to die and it was yeah. cannibalized by its own other properties mm-hmm. uh, in Avengers and The Incredibles and what have you. But it, it, yeah, I... I think the concept of trying to marvel it, uh, it, 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 it's, it's difficult. I think that there are some things that uh, exist in the blockbuster zeitgeist that only exist because of Star Wars. And I, th- I think that there are things that uh, Lucasfilm can learn from their current contemporaries. Yeah. But I don't think you can just turn Star Wars into the MCU. I like there. There are absolutely MCU, MCUian uh, tactics that Lucasfilm can should borrow. Uh, but there are also things that the MCU does that Star Wars absolutely could not pull off. You know, like like what you just said, trying to do like we're going to segment everyone off in their own franchise, and then they come back into the big one. It doesn't work because these movies are are built to emulate comics, which in one kind of funny way, the MCU works like a giant TV universe. Yes. You know, like it's, it's a series of spinoffs of spinoffs of spinoffs of spinoffs of spinoffs of spinoffs, you know, that all coalesce into one movie. And then you break it off again and spin off and spin off and spin off and spin off and spin off. Where with Star Wars, it is, you know, it, I, a couple weeks ago, I was having this conversation with my girlfriend, and we were talking. We're like, she just kind of out of nowhere because I'm making my way through the Legends uh, Darth Bane novels. Oh, nice! And she was like, "Make the rule of two make sense to me," because she loves Star Wars uh, as well. Again, she is uh, an adult uh, who hasn't based a huge just chunk of her life around space wizards. Uh, I, however, have, and she was like, "Make the whole like rule of two thing make sense to me." And I'm and I'm trying to explain it. Like the conversation kind of kept coming back to this idea that like the Skywalker saga as it is. This is when you pull back again, talking about why versus how. When you pull back in a very how type mindset hmm. where which is fun to live in where you basically talk about galactic history as though it is an actual history course like a like a world history type thing if you pull back and you look at the full timeline legends or canon the skywalker saga is kind of a very specific snapshot of a handful of situations that all came to a head you know like it's the same way that like you can trace you know, wars going on in like in, 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 like in like the medieval times up to how they like it forms like Europe in the 1600s up to the Mayflower setting sail. Like you can, there's a whole lot of, you know, like you can put the and yeah. we can see how we can, we can see the chain reaction. Right. Because of how we saga in and of itself is like, I don't know what, six, seven decades of, of interpersonal family drama that has its own three-act structure beginning middle end but it is like you're saying in and of itself the end game of the sith from really inception to palpatine but really bane to palpatine all the way you know like in terms of how palpatine is both the ultimate sith but also 
someone who bastardizes what they're about in terms of, you know, his whole thing of I am all the Sith is contradictory to um, one to power, one to have the power, one to crave it. Um, he is sort of the final sort of last minute, not Deus Ex Machina is not the right word, I guess denouement, like the final little switch there of, of what their real apotheosis would be. And the Skywalkers are, as the Jedi have never known what they truly were there's always been that debate which is what i'm loving about higher public is that they're having these conversations people like yariel poof are like well peace and justice have a complicated relationship exactly um, yeah and the skywalkers are the apotheosis of that complicated relationship they are all the sins and all the victories they're all the love and all the hate and they're everything that is is has been on the line so you're absolutely fundamentally right about how from that point of view of looking at the timeline you know alex damon releases his yearly timeline you watch that video it comes to a yeah. head where it comes to a head for a reason yeah exactly and then again it's, it's this giant snapshot of like you know you have all of this you know at least in terms of legend you have all of this crazy shit happening like hundreds and thousands of years before the movies and then you have the movies and you have the things that take place between the movies and then you have the things that happen after the movies and now after the movies is a goalpost that has moved significantly further now mm-hmm. um so it, it's it, it you know like that it's just super unique to Star Wars. You can't endgame that. You know, the whole, or you, you can't MCU that. The, the beauty of it is that you have this giant universe where feasibly everything you do can all happen in an interconnected way. So you tell stories that are all revolving around the same, like, agreed upon set of standards. That's different from the MCU, where each one is like this, it, like, like, it's a serialized series of movies, mm-hmm. you know, where like, and now TV shows, but like it, they, they have built a structure of one leads to the next, leads to the next, leads yes. to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next team up movie, reset, leads yeah. to the next, leads to the next. We're like yeah, Star they Wars. Only, they have only just now started to say, okay, well, let's insert a backstory here, Black Widow. Let's let's play right here. Yeah. Oh, this is actually a couple months before that, but they the, fundamentally there's always a forward momentum, and yeah. Star Wars. I always joke when you know, Black Widow is a great example. I brought this up before. When Black Widow came out, um, feelings on the film, notwithstanding, I, I actually really loved it, but I know a lot of people didn't. I enjoyed it's it fine. too. The, the thing about it is the conversations were, and it showed you how audiences have been trained. Well, I know she dies in, in, in Endgame, so why would I even want to watch it? And I immediately point to, well, one of the greatest characters in cinema is Obi-Wan Kenobi. He dies in his first appearance. Exactly. Most of in Star Wars plays... Has like most of Star Wars is a flashback. It's just the originals and the sequels that move in a forward momentum. Prequels, Clone Wars, Bad Batch, Mandalorian, like all of that is either inserts or prequel. And the higher public is nothing but New York Times bestsellers of prequel. Uh, yeah. Star Wars builds in all directions, MCU builds straight. Yeah, exactly. And I also, and again, this is where I do. I love the MCU. I love Marvel. You know, I I think that's part of where the MCU has kind of accidentally, I think, poisoned a lot of brains. I think that uh, there, I think there is an issue there of like, well, what, 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 what utility does this story serve? And I think that a lot of people have forgotten, like the utility of a story can simply be that it's a story. And 
that you know well what what is this doing how does this move this this forward and you know i think there's some like online content creator stuff uh pitters in there mm-hmm. as part of the problem of like you know well why doesn't this character just blank and it's like you don't have a story that way you know yeah. like there, there's there's all of these like well why don't they blank or why would blank that i think we've started to build around moments we started to build around immediate gratification we've started to inherently corrupt um a lot of the way that people are able to absorb small moments uh theme because we are waiting for the and i'm and i'm not again we both love marvel i'm not in the camp that's like i hate that this one was all set up i mean set it up do your thing but let's not pretend that everything needs to be that and yeah. I think that we got into this place where we we've, we've trained audiences now for over a decade with great success to view this like television, like a serialized medium, like comic books themselves. Kevin Feige is as much a executive producer as he's a showrunner. He sort of yeah. carved out his own place in Hollywood history by doing that. No one else has ever done it. But the it's, first major motion picture showrunner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and he has to again much to much victory, but also to a lot of the, the accidental detriment of a lot of other people, Kathy Kennedy included, um, who are doing something very different cross medium. You know, the MCU does not have books, comics, video games, and everything that tie in that are um, canonical to what is happening on screen. So it's a very different thing with a very different kind of brain trust. And it's, I think, rooted in a lot of the content stuff, like you mentioned. I think the conversations we can, we, and I've been on my high horse about this on Twitter for a while, and some people are sick of it, and that's fine. Uh, but we have, are on the precipice, I feel, of some sort of thought breakthrough, you know, taking it back from the YouTube stuff, taking it back from all this. And we, we have to make the choice to have better conversations, and we have to make the choice to, and to meet the work halfway. No one has to like anything. If you dislike all but one Star Wars movie, that is fine. Uh, you you refuse to watch the animated shows because you just can't get into the animation. That is fine. But what's not fine is saying or is is saying in a concrete way that they're doing something they're not doing, or that it, it needs to be like X. That a character should have done X. Dealing and should have, much like dealing in absolutes, is. Not good. Um, and that's it's almost like the Star Wars stuff has lessons that we should all be looking at. It's almost like the, the worst people in the fandom who have, uh, who, who menace other uh, people uh, in the fandom <laughs> are hysterically taking point from the opposite of the morality tale that is Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, as somebody like, you know, like, like I just saw your arm, like you have the, you have the freaking dark mark from Harry Potter and yeah. I have Kylo Ren tatted on my thigh and I have the Sith symbol on my left arm. Yeah. You know, like we like our bad guys in theory, like, you know, there's, or there's they, going, or they I can... like my bad guys and also yeah. not understanding why they're bad. Exactly. Which is terrifying. Like bad or guy will... iconography can look cool and you can like the bad guy iconography that looks cool. But if you lose sight of the fact that they're the bad guy <laughs> yeah or they will understand fundamentally who's good and who's bad but they assign themselves the wrong role ted cruz uh you know you end up with a lot of those people where they're like we're the we're the rebels and and they're the, the empire and it's like oh no you are the most empire to ever empire you are in fact the worst tm 
you guys suck. And we lose sight of that in, in a lot of ways because of the online echo chambers, because of discourse. And it yeah. just, it becomes, as Palpatine once said, ironic to watch the way that they um, completely lose sight of the themes because it is a morality play, like you said. Yeah. It is fundamentally, so clearly, it is essentially at its core what George has always said it is, which is it's, the, it's for 12-year-olds to make choices. It's a youth on the brink of discovery about the world and about themselves. And it has expanded to other points of view besides that. Um, but one thing I love about the Book of Boba Fett and about The Mandalorian is that it's people like Boba Din, Fennec Shand that are in their 40s and 50s as characters. Yeah. You know, it, you yeah. take to the actors, Thames in his 60s. And it's those characters saying, what is the second act of my life going to be like? You know, how, how do you change yeah. them later on? So it has expanded to a lot of different points of view, which is beautiful, but it is still about those lessons and the gamification of Star Wars, the uh, trivialization of Star Wars, the um, math, mathematical, almost way too hard sci-fi perspective have corrupted things. It's when you get into dumb conversations about, but her amount of training, and it's like, it's not about her training, it's about her heart. What have you been watching? And, you know, I think there's something funny there because, like, I don't know. May maybe I'm just built different. But uh, I have, like, like, I absolutely came from, as a fan, the mathematical, the hardline, you know, gamification type stuff. And it always boggled my mind that other people who didn't have that outlook looked at the newer stuff and at the sequels that way. Mm -hmm. You know, like, one of the things that, like I, I've had many moments, that, and I, I describe it as like me renewing my vows with Star Wars, mm. where like I will have like a moment as a fan where I'm like, it's not that I ever lost sight of it. It's not that I have to do it again to like re become a fan, where I just go, oh yeah, this is why I love this shit, mm. you know. And like in my like early teen years, you know, I discovered like the versus series community where it's a whole, where it's like a handful of people like taking really, really analytical looks at just who would win in a fight. You know, like it's like on one hand, it can be a very silly thing. Like it's, you know, it's, it's a fun thing. Yo, you're, you're an angel guy, you know, caveman or an astronaut, yeah. you know, like you can yeah. do that kind of thing. Uh, astronaut, but <laughs> do they have weapons? No. <laughs> <laughs> But you 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 can do all of that kind of stuff, and like I was like, oh, I love this, and I love this analytical stuff. Like that's part of the Nerd Academy Patreon. Spencer and I do a versus series together, and it's some of the most fun I have recording because uh, I love like really getting in the weeds with that kind of stuff. And I think that like there are so many precedents, even though like the legend stuff isn't canon, and now I can talk about the fact that it never was to begin with. But like it's not canon now. Yeah, but. There were precedents set in the stories we love that are legends that absolutely paved the way for stuff in the sequels and that absolutely check out. And if you and I, th I think if a lot of people gave the sequel trilogy and any of the newer stuff the good faith, I just want to soak all of this in that they did with the stuff that they analyze now uh, or analyze then, it would be completely different. I think if you had the kind of people who can take uh, like maybe a quarter of Darth Bane Path of Destruction. Hmm. And from that and from a handful of other appearances, extrapolate basically a character sheet on how Lord Hoth would function in combat. 
and do all of that. I don't think it's that hard to like look at The Force Awakens and go, well, Kylo's bleeding to death. He's bleeding out. Yeah. He, he, he's bleeding to death. Uh, he's all, his heart is clearly not in this fight. He's clearly not fighting to kill her. And he's winning. <laughs> she's running for most of it. Like, I mean, she, it, she spends it, that it requires, fight running like hell. It requires, again, it's like we said, meeting the storytellers in the middle. It requires you to, engage. Yeah. it requires you to embrace what is a very visual series. It, it, Star Wars is all, when Star Wars does an exposition dump, quote unquote. I, 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 that's a phrase. I, don't, I think it sounds kind of negative. It's not, I don't mean it negatively. But when it stops to really be like, here's some mythology, like it did recently in Book of Boba Fett with the armor. Um, here's some mythology and we're going to spend some minutes on it. It always stands out because Star Wars doesn't do it a lot. It's not Star Trek. It's not a superhero thing. It's not like, here's your powers. Here, let's figure out a costume for you. Let's make an armor. Yeah. It's not like that. Star Wars tells a story visually. When you watch The Force Awakens, the answers to that fight are throughout the rest of the film. The answers are Kylo Ren saying he feels the pull to the light. The answers are Han twice showing the power of the bowcaster and how it could blow a normal man off his feet. Um, and Kylo takes that and just slides back a little bit when he takes it directly to the abdomen. So it's all there in a visual language and in a, in a language that is built on the mythological illusions and, and in the characters' inner thoughts. And it's giving you the tools to engage in the fight and to understand where the characters are. And so I love what you're saying there about um, if you can put so much effort into X, why can't you put so much effort into Y? And it sort of feels like there's a very, it's much like the term fan service. It's only fan service if you think it is. The fight, yeah. the fight only falls apart, quote unquote, if you feel that it did. But somebody else you know, that is choosing to engage they're going to have a positive thing. And that's not showing. That's not, oh, rose-colored glasses. That's I'm putting in the work in this thing because it is a relationship. I cannot tell you how much I love that you worded those moments in your life and in your fandom as renewing your vows. It's probably going to be in the title for the episode because it is so poignant. And I've described Star Wars as a human relationship so much, specifically a romantic one, where everybody has has had or you know will have or currently has uh, a romantic partner if you are interested in romance of course there are people that are uh, aromantic and 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 have their own path of course i don't want to discount that and for that i would say maybe an, an intimate friendship or a family member but you love this person yeah but there are things about them that you don't love it's that's all a give and take but even the things when you reach that level of intimacy even the things you don't love about them still make the things that you do love about them sing so everybody's least favorite Star Wars film, I've always said, it's still part of your favorite thing. Just in the way that, you know, your partner biting their nails might drive you crazy. The way they chew might drive you crazy. The way that they organize their bottles in the shower might drive you crazy. That's still the person you love the most. Um, yeah, I, 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 I've said that countless times on myriad shows, my own, other people's, where it's like, you know, sit me down to watch anything, you know, like, like show me what you think the greatest movie of all time is, you know, sit me down for a Citizen Kane or, mm. you know, Ben-Hur or whatever. I'm going to sit there and I'm gonna, I, I will look you in your eyes and 100% honestly go, this is incredible. However... Because it's Star Wars, I like Attack of the Clones more. Yeah, like it's it's and, and again, that's why that's why I say like I got like 
I, as a person, as someone who loves storytelling, who loves, you know, you know, who, lo- who loves seeing like the modern mythology come into existence. I, if I am going to talk about something that isn't Star Wars, I need to put Star Wars on a shelf in another room mm. because I cannot in a fair discussion, let Star Wars permeate certain conversations because it's like oh what are your favorite like people some of this what are your favorite movies i'm like not counting anything involving star wars or a superhero xyz you know where it's like why because of my actual five favorite movies are a mix of these <laughs> you yeah. know like most likely it'll probably be five star wars movies and then like if you give me another five i can give you more superhero shit you know like i have to put all of that stuff off to the side to have a fair conversation it's just it exists way more intensely in my heart than anything else. It crosses over beyond, like I said, beyond a media, beyond just a media exploration, beyond just, um, you know, we use the word fandom because it's a catch-all, but fandom almost to me sometimes feels like a disservice to it because I don't, I don't feel. This is not a knock on sports at all um, for anybody that's listening. That's like, hey, it's not a lock on sports, um, but I don't feel like I'm sitting in the stands cheering for Star Wars. I feel like it is my spirituality. I feel like it is my moral compass. I feel like it's in my blood. Um, I, I, I face emotional moments in my life through the lens of it. Um, I take yeah. the lessons from it and apply it to my actual life. I mean, what's the most recent thing I read? Uh, I'm, I'm finishing up Midnight Horizon right now. And like, I'm, I'm seeing characters in that story reflect back on me in different ways and everything. And I don't do that with, a, with pretty much anything else in my life. So it does exist in this very particular, very intensely personal category, which is why it can be so explosive, which is why you have rivalries and beefs between Star Wars fans and things, because it is way more than just a series of films. Um, and with all that said, you talked about these uh, vowel renewal moments. I'm curious what, what have some of them been? What have been some of these comeback moments or this let's, let's, you know, let's sit down, let's, let's go out to dinner and, and reignite the spark and all that. Where, where have you come back and, and realized, wow, I understand this. Not again, because you don't stop understanding it, but I understand it more in a new way on a new level. I think the first time that that moment really hit me was um, uh, like I said, like the versus stuff. You know, falling in love with that, like, let's talk about it and like really get into like through all these different YouTube, you know, and like, get, like there's there's story stuff. I cannot disagree with the likes of Jen Sarai, uh, Evan Nova, Ready for Grey Jedi. Like there are people they, like those are content creators who their versus stuff, in my opinion, is incredible. And what they do is amazing. There's story stuff about the new Disney era. I think they are dead wrong about and i would love to talk to them about at some point but i i i think that like like learning about the seven forms and how like i have always just like oh it's so cool about a light about the lightsaber as a concept that like having this this explanation of like here is you know from the perspective of martial arts and from uh, a, a standpoint of like we're gonna like we're gonna put this and as much of a, of a functioning box as we can to explain lightsabers, lightsaber combat, the functionality therein of both the martial arts and the weapon and tool itself. 
that was one of those moments where my, my biggest, you know, why versus how that's my biggest, how, you know, is how do you like, it's, it's like putting everything in like the, 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 the Jedi and Sith martial arts box. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, opening night of the force awakens was, it was, a, it was a religious experience for me, <laughs> you know? Uh, I think that was absolutely a moment watching the last Jedi for the first time in theaters. Another one where I was just like, Oh, I think this is everything. Um, like, like, like the Last Jedi. It, it, it understands Star Wars better than any other Star Wars, and I, I just, I felt I so seen. I felt the way I love, the way I engage with, the way I understand Star Wars put into a movie. You know, like I, I felt. I felt so validated by how I had been interpreting this art for my entire life having the art basically hold up a mirror and go, yeah, you're onto something. Like that was that, that's how I felt coming out of the last Jedi was like, I have been right about how I have been interpreting this art. You know, like I, I I have not missed the point and with how often it's for 12 year olds. And also it's this giant commercial thing. And also like people want it to be like, like they wanted to be like a 2000s era superhero movie like pre-mcu with like the mcu trappings of like you know it's a big fun dumb beat-em-up uh type thing which isn't bad but it's not star wars and a lot of people wanted that to be star wars in the last Jedi. is very much not that i think the most recent one was uh the finale of season two amando i i i have a uh force sensitive bend in terms of what i care about most with star wars uh you know i i like the lead up to every single show we've had so far is slightly difficult for me because part of my brain can't be like let's go because they can't use the force to know it has a lightsaber and it's just it's just part of my brain that just like doesn't get as as excited for that kind of thing uh that doesn't mean there aren't stories that i love that don't have it and it occurred to me re-watching season two of the mandalorian preparing for book of boba fett uh, that Din Djarin is my favorite non-force sensitive Star Wars character by a long shot. <laughs> like he, he stands head and shoulders over a lot of non-force sensitives for me uh, and is almost like poking the force sensitive bubble of characters that I love. Right. And it's every time I've seen him say goodbye to Grogu because I've, I've finished, I've watched and rewatched season two of Mando. I think that was the third time a couple months ago and I'm sitting on my girlfriend's couch. We're watching it together. And like the way we're sitting is like, I'm, I'm, I'm in front of her and she's kind of like slightly diagonally behind me. And like, while Din and Grogu are having their conversation on when Grogu's on his way out, all she can see from behind is my shoulders sh- like quivering and shaking. And she's like, are you okay? And I turn around and I'm like, <laughs> I'm weeping. Like I am, saw big on the third time the third time the third time like the first was (laughs) probably a a tragedy in your house just just (laughs) i've and here's the funny thing i cry more every time it gets i've gotten worse i think it's because it's over time it sits in your mind you know every time you go to it it's the realizations you've had it's the context you've gained it's the understanding now like i think that now not to date this episode a lot but you know i mentioned it we're in the middle of Book of Boba when we're recording this. We just saw Din. Um, yeah. And now it'll make me more sad because now I've seen what it's done to him. 
a little bit. Um, and you've got a little bit of that perspective. So I think that yeah, it's a beautifully <sighs> profound moment. That episode is, I mean, even without Luke, it's a killer episode. And then with him, yeah. it just, it takes it up into the yeah. realm of pure cinema. I think there was a, I, I, I had a similar, I had a similar like, oh, I, 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 I watched this movie correctly moment uh, with The Rise of Skywalker. And like, I have a lot of complex feelings about that movie. Yeah. There are some elements of that movie that I'm like, this is some of the best Star Wars ever. And there are other parts of it where I'm like, somebody drop the ball here. And to each your own with all of that. But, you know, seeing like, seeing Raylo be codified was a big moment for me where I had been saying for years, I'm like, this is going somewhere between these two. I had like five separate, separate bets riding on the rise of Skywalker that I was like, they're like, like I'm going to be right. And I will suffer whatever consequences you want to attribute to me for being wrong. Cause that's how confident I am about it. And just seeing their chemistry in that movie and them kiss, like that was another moment where it was like, I love this story so much. <laughs> it's like this, like, like it, I don't know. There, I think there is a special moment every fan deserves to have with any story uh, and any fandom or franchise that they love where they go, this was kind of made for me. Yeah, I completely you know? agree. I completely agree. So much of what you're saying um, resonates with me personally, whether it's the ones that felt like enormous, powerful communal experiences on a different level, on a global level like The Force Awakens, but even something that was divisive like The Last Jedi, I think those of us that really loved the film were seeing, like you said, a lot of our thoughts um, validated, um, canonized, if you want to use that word, um, seeing them um, represented within the characters because there have there are Star Wars films, you know, the six George films, which are, we're Star Wars. Then there was Force Awakens, which was yay Star Wars. And then there was Last Jedi, which was why Star Wars. Or Star yeah. Wars, what about that? And it was, it was the one that was like, let's ask all of these questions for two and a half hours. And then in a, in a rousing final 15 minutes, we're going to uh, affirm them all, affirm everything that you loved um, by, by, by putting it through the ringer, which is a whole conversation in and of itself about how because of trailers and cool shirts and lines, people think that the message is kill the past and it could not be further from the message of the movie. The, the message is learn from it, uh-huh. it, build upon it, grow beyond it, but also acknowledge it at all times. Because like Ray says, Ray being this pure of heart angel, and I think that everybody has their sort of like Star Wars litmus test, like this is how I judge if this is if they're my people and mine is do they like Ray? Like somebody that's like, I hate Ray. I'm always like, ooh, I don't know. It's gonna be an uphill battle for you, my friend, because I think that Yeah. Her, her you gotta you you gotta work hard to bounce back from I hate Ray for yeah, me too. It's it's she's just she is the arbiter, she is the paragon of humility. I mean, her her arc is realizing in a somewhat meta way, she is realizing that she's the main character. That's what The Last Jedi is. It's three attempts to get rid of this saber, two for Luke, one for Ben, and none of them work. And it's her realizing that she has been right about all of her points. The galaxy does need a legend. You know, your sister does need you. We, you know, we need to do X, Y, and Z. But what she has learned along the way has reinforced the idea that Leia already knew and that Luke comes around on, which is that it's you. 
it's you. And, Precisely. And that's, Precisely. that's what she has to accept. She accepts it with heart. <clears throat> yeah. And, and, and keeps moving on because she's, she's us approaching this story and saying, we would like more, please give us Luke. And Luke is like, um, I'm not sure you really understand what that means. And I think that that, that shocked to the core, a lot of people that, and I don't, there is a, a sect of the hate that is obviously morally wrong. And that's not what I'm talking about, of course. And I, that's not what you're talking about either. There's the sect that Last Jedi lovers and haters can all agree went too far. And that's misogyny, racism, and stuff that I have not, will not, and, and shall not ever abide. But then there is the people that were like, it just really bummed me out to see Luke that way. And for those people, I don't blame them. And, and, and it's entirely intentional. I don't blame them for, I don't blame them for reacting the way that they were supposed to. It's supposed to unnerve hey. you. I think there's a lot of like, I made the joke about myself, like worrying that I'm this type of person. I think there's a lot of people who are bad at watching movies. And I think there's a lot of people who are bad at consuming art um, where there's a level of like, yeah, like Luke's not in a great place. I hope you saw the end of the movie where he makes good on everything. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot like, of people he, I feel walked out before the third act. I don't think you're wrong. And it's, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's very telling. I think that you're right. I mean, I know people will hear what you said and be like, oh, don't tell me that. But I think that really the content of what you're saying is true. I mean, the we are in a such a reactionary space. I think that week-to-week viewing of shows has rotted people's brains um, from the inside out because they have taken what they learned from the binge model and brought it into the week-to-week model. So the, the, the immediate gratification that we're getting over there, they expect over here, but... I, the, but the binge is still worse because with the binge, you don't have conversations about uh, people like Bryce Dallas Howard. If, the, if Book of Boba Fett was a binge, you wouldn't hear any director get their due. People would be no. like, oh, what episode Not did that one happen in? The, the one with the, the Vespas, was that, the, that was the first one or the second one? It, no one would know. Same thing with Stranger Things. Beautifully crafted show comes and goes, and no one knows the names of any director except the Duffer Brothers. No one knows what's going on with it. Like it just, it it blends in the in the consciousness in a weird way. And week to week has done that. The internet in between films has done that because we we will never attain the purity again of the lead up to Force Awakens and the two years between Awakens and Jedi. We will never attain that again because that there was a there was an innocence there was a purity there was a we're back baby unified and i think this is my uh not star wars coverage but uh cape stuff coverage mm. and how that influences star wars i think for the rest of our lives the lead up to every movie is going to feel like avengers endgame i think that no way home i love it one of my one of if not my favorite superhero movies at this point permanently poisoned the well and i think we are going to be looking at everything being a non-stop circus of weeks and rumors uh more so than was already the case you know like it already feels like all of the you know usual suspects can't stop talking about dr strange and the multiverse of madness as though it is like who Who's gonna be in it? It's like I don't give a shit about who's in it, other than Strange. Yeah, like I want to see his story. story play out. You know, yeah. tell like, and yeah. There's like the lizard brain fan part of me who, yeah, give me all the cameos you want to. Sure, but as long as it services the story well, that's all I give a damn about. That's why I love No Way Home. It was like it, like 
There's like the tweet I put out about like this week's episode of the Book of Boba Fett. You know, that is how you fan service. Make it matter. Make it count. I don't just want to have a member berry pie. I want you to do the best with what you have. And I think that's a problem we're going to live with for the rest of of the rest of our lives. But for a very long time, I think we are going to be chasing the high of Avengers Endgame. And I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. And I think that we are so programmed to like find patterns Mm -hmm. and recognize, okay, so thing leads to thing leads to thing. We get this, that like every Star Wars or Marvel, anything is just going to be okay. When are we getting a cameo? Who's going to cameo? When do we see Kingpin? When's Luke going to show up? Like when? Wait, when are we going to have those specific moments again? Yeah. And then we're going to complain that we get the same thing again, and then we're going to complain when we don't have it that we want something similar to happen. There's like, well, that's the great irony part, right? Because you're you're 100 right. The first thing that's been going through my mind while you've been talking about this is Taika Waititi's Star Wars film, which <laughs> I don't know anything about it, and no one. Does. It's going to be such a shock to the system, and I can't wait. But exactly, it will be. It stands to be the most different thing. I think just by sheer virtue of the fact that it's him. His co-writers, Christy Wilson Carnes, who co-wrote 1917, co-wrote Last Night in Soho. Like these are films that are in- crazily different in and of themselves she's with taika waititi they're working on this star wars film it, it, who knows what it could be but it will be probably the most conversational potentially the smallest i would love it if taika's film was two lead characters i've said this before two lead characters one crazy night on coruscant what happens like yeah so tiny that he would love it and really get to do his own thing now i don't know that because the man also made ragnarok a massive colorful splash and like who knows yep but i think that it is sort of damned if you do, damned if you don't, because we're seeing a, can't we get the Star Wars original? Can't we get the Star Wars that has no connections? The galaxy's so big. Well, why are we doing this? If he does it, and it is in the, as removed as most of the Vision shorts were, for example. Oh, you will hear the cries of, that didn't feel like Star Wars. And, and people are not as ready to kick things to the curb as they think they are. And that's why you end up with conversations of, you know, Mando season two has, I think five core big appearances, Cobb Vanth, Bo-Katan, Ahsoka, Boba Fett, Luke. Yes. Uh, R2-D2, six. And you end up with conversations of, I really like that season, but wow, this dependent on so much stuff we knew. Can't we get something entirely new? Those same people when that Kenobi trailer drops, are going to be on their roofs, screaming to the high heavens, waving a flag, hair flowing in the wind, super excited because it's something that they know. And I think that we have created this culture where you're 100% right that we are constantly living now to be in the know. Everyone wants to be in the know. I heard this rumor. I heard this rumor. Instead of thinking, worrying about stories. But the flip side of that is that we've shamed people for their nostalgia, which is also not right. I think that's true. I think, I think like, again, I, I like what Star Wars just hits that sweet spot perfectly of like new and old all at the same time. Like that, like that's what Star Wars is at its, is at its zenith in my opinion. And like it, to use a joke you made on Knights of the Nerd Republic uh, a couple mm. weeks ago, mm. you know, I can't describe what it is, but I know it when I see it just like porn. And I, I, I can't describe to you exactly what, that oh, right there like i don't know like for me that's what the last jedi is like it's two and a half hours of like oh, right there or it's like you like there's just enough like 
in there mixed with weird shit cool shit new shit yeah you know like that's one of the reasons why i love the high republic so much i was like this has all of the like this this is all the core themes of star wars put through a very different hyper specific filter which was again like it was one of those moments like oh this was made for me this is just the jedi being superheroes you know this is just like an arthurian version of jedi that i can just like oh sick my teeth into you know that I don't know. I think I've, there's a very specific middle ground they can hit. I don't know where and when it happens, but that is when Star Wars is at its best, when it's just that bit of both. I completely agree, and, and I, I love that you brought back that joke that I made on your show, because I think it's true. I mean, when people say, and there's even footage depicting this of, like, Ryan Johnson, um, I think it was when they were designing the Canto Bite, like, casino slot droids, where there's yeah. a conversation about it and, and there's like everyone in the room has a different definition of what Star Wars is. And a synthesis of all these creatives, all of whom want to serve the original creative, they all have their desire to inject George into it. But the thing is that everyone sees the man differently and everyone sees what he did differently. You will never reach consensus. And I think that that is great and healthy um, and it, has, it can lead to great success like the High Republic, but it also leads to um different approaches like jj and ryan like even favreau and filoni where filoni has as favreau has taught filoni a lot about live action directing and producing it is filoni that has shown him the validity of things that are not the original trilogy you know they've they've been pulling each other down these different paths exactly you know they they share a student and, and mentor role um, which I think is really is really healthy. And that's how Star Wars has to be. And it, it needs to be communal. It needs other voices to grow, of course, in terms of representation and, and learning all these lessons. Um, and then for you, you know, as, a, as an out and proud by Star Wars creator to live in this time now where things are changing, growing, starting finally to pick up steam in the other direction with tons of work to go. I don't want anyone to listen and say, and think that I'm saying we're in some great place because, you know, until it's, until we, we hit the silver screen and like it's making millions of dollars, there will always be the next goal. But how does that make you feel now to see this start to grow and change in a way that is also socially representative of what it should be? I, I think all fiction, all the stories we tell, any step in that direction should be celebrated. Like every step of the way from the smallest stuff you know, as long as something is there, I think we're making, you're, you're, you're making progress. And, you know, like the amount of, you know, people of color, people who are coded to be of color, um, queer folk that are like, again, highly concentrated in the high Republic. Uh, I, but I, I think it's slowly making its way into the mainline star Wars stuff. Like, again, like look at book of Boba Fett, like, you know, you, you, you have Maori Tamora Morrison um, you know, Asian American McNaughton, like the all like like as your leads, um, with that like that that's beautiful. You know, like who's the biggest cameo people have gotten excited over? Danny Trejo, uh, you know, yeah. and we got it. You know, we got we got Pedro Pascal. You know, taking the reins in the Mandalorian and in this most recent episode. That's good. You know, like it doesn't make sense. Again, this is like, like this is one of those functional conversations of. If I can go into the city of Pittsburgh and within five minutes see a thousand people who don't look like me, it's kind of weird 
to go into a bar on a different world in a universe where interplanetary travel is like taking the fucking bus. Mm -hmm. It'd be white dudes and aliens. And shame on anybody whose argument against that is the aliens are diversity. Uh, That is either one of the most boneheaded, intentionally boneheaded or hysterically ignorant takes I've ever heard in my life. But when you have that, like like it makes no sense for Star Wars to just be straight white people. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense for any story to just be straight white people. And, you know, that in a, a whole conversation about the concept of the presence of a not straight heteronormative white man being in the story inherently being a political message uh, is w- like, like those are one of those moments where like you didn't say that you don't want women, people of color, queer folk in your story with that sentence of it makes it political, but the subtext is screaming it. Mm-hmm. You know, like like this story that is an allegory about World War II and Vietnam, Cold War, and the Bush administration. That you have the gall to say that the the existence of a not straight white man is is political um, means either one of two things. Yeah, that's the line. Yeah, that that's the line. It it means either one of two things or both of them. Uh, A, you are a deeply bigoted person, or this that type of individual is a deeply bigoted person. Uh, Or uh, lightsaber go burr, and that is the only thing you got out of these movies. Uh, In which case, like I said earlier, that's the type of person who I just look at and go, "You're bad at watching movies." Yeah, I feel bad. I pity that. I pity that. Yeah, I disdain. I have disdain for the other. Or both. Yeah, like like you said, or both. Yeah. I, I think most people, most of the people that uh, I love fighting with, most of the people that I pick fights with, uh, fall into the camp of both. I think that there is a hysterical lack of understanding of the deeper capacity for storytelling. And I think that there is an assumption that uh, every main character of everything should look like me. And I think it's uh, silly and stupid and you know, it's 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 one of those things that like I take I take very seriously. You know, I the 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 existence of the fandom menace in this fandom breaks my heart, and there's and I have my reasons for having the very personal vendetta with every content creator therein. You know, I think that a story that is as deeply about collectivization mm-hmm. and so deeply anti-fascist, so deeply about the power of hope and rising up against uh, unjust uh, forces being co-opted and used as part of the pipeline uh, used to radicalize youths uh, into uh, fascists uh, infuriates me. And, you know, like that, that's why I pick fights with those guys is that I, I am, I am disgusted by seeing this story uh, be used as bait for uh, edgy 13-year-olds who think uh, the peak of comedy is saying a slur that you're not supposed to. Again, like, like the comedy is that you know it's bad. And using using these stories as bait for that disgusts me. And yeah. I, I feel the same way. First of all, beautifully said, and I could not agree more. I think that there's, with love and we've used the relationship metaphor a few times with, with a, a love for a thing that is so strong, there is an inherent, I feel responsibility, especially when you have a platform like the two of us do um, small as they may be of any kind of any size yeah. to uh, defend it. Um, 
and not that Star Wars, the institution needs defending, but that Star Wars, the lessons and the inherent purity of what it is attempting to do and attempting to convey um, needs defending, protecting, reinforcing. And I think that thinking, you have to think about the way that we were, you know, the Jared that was playing Obi-Wan that was, you know, using the right stick yeah. and all that, that purity has to be fought for. These kids deserve a chance to have what it was supposed to be. And they deserve this story in these times um, when we are seeing, I mean, uh, in the news this week, we recorded, I mean, Mouse got banned from that one county and like, there, you know, book bannings are happening, attacks on free thought, thought crime you know out of out of dystopia um it is a horribly horribly unnerving unsettling and infuriating time and i'm I'm glad that you actually segued into it because i did want to ask about it because you like me we both love a scrap we both you know we both enjoy i think we're, we're we we are what i like to call twitter brawlers we are well we absolutely are <laughs> it was straight up you know, uh, Wolverine, the best there is of what I do, what I do isn't very nice. Um, it is absolutely, I think, something that takes a toll on us and on people like us. Um, and there's, I have no illusions about that. You know, people like, you know, that will tell me, oh, you're, you're stressing yourself out with this. Oh, I know. But I believe so firmly in what this thing has given me. And I believe so strongly in what it, is, it has taught me and what it has given me and as, as a human being and as a thinker, and as a fan of film, and as a person, um, and as somebody that's politically engaged um, and socially engaged, the the, I mean, the, the, the sociopolitical nature of Star Wars, like you said, is in, it's across all eras from the, the Second World War, before that, all the way up to now, where, to where the point where Episode Nine, for all of its flaws, and it's a film that I love, but it's again very complicated relationship across the board everyone has with it, um, depending on what that is, the the fact that it comes down to this old white guy telling this young woman, well, I'll just control your body. Like that is so yeah. of the now that these I things. Mean, take it a step even further back 2015 with the force awakens. What's our biggest problem? A bunch of lunatic, like a bunch of hate filled lunatics yeah. who are longing for the militarized, uh, glory of days past like the first order are just literally neo-nazis and, and one of them <laughs> i mean the one that gives the speech of the planet killer is the son uh he he is a my daddy internet conservative yeah. guy um he is he's a trust fund alt-right guy that thinks somebody like peterson is worth a damn uh it's, you even got my dog crying about this you see what I, i'm telling you um but no it, oh it, but climate we, we, you see climate it, it actually affects the poor yeah yeah <laughs> my i watched some of the clips on rogan episode i was like it's i <laughs> yeah it's a it's abysmal like it's just it's heinous it's, that's Absolutely. one of the things with me and like i don't know i a few years ago you know i realized i was about to witness a collision of two things that i cared a lot about you know i have ever since i was a kid in some capacity have been fascinated by uh the ugliest part of right-wing politics you know as a kid like anytime i saw a story or heard a story you know talking about 
the KKK or Westboro Baptist or anything like that, there was a part of my brain that was like, what is this? That is just so, that was just fascinated by it in like an academic way. Like I want to know more about yeah, I mean, the existence the, the nature, The nature of evil and the nature in all its forms is so utterly I mean, it's it's the it's the part that tickles your brain anywhere from I like Darth Vader to people that are murderinos and really know their true crime all the way up to people like I read a book when I was in high school called The Lucifer Effect that is all about the nature of evil and it has like Stanford Prison Experiment and like all that stuff in it and seeing how humanity becomes its worst state is is shockingly compelling in a lot of weird ways. Yeah, and so so it was all of that mixed with like oh conspiracy theories are neat and then like pretty much like starting with like right out of right when i got out of high school uh through now like i found myself like enthralled by the right-wing conspiracy theory realm you know like you know i i talk all about it and how you know love the podcast knowledge fight and all that stuff but like you know alex jones and Infowars. Uh, you know, QAnon, all, all of this crazy shit. Like, I, part of me was a kid in a candy store at the beginning of last year because I was like, oh, there's so much shit going on right now. And, like, part of me, not that I enjoyed any of the events of January 6th, but, like, obviously not. But, like, everything from, like, the election onward, we're, like, uh, to use a to use a popular, acad- actually academic term for the for this stuff, like, like the, like the, uh, um, the cultic milieu of like everything kind of like being one giant umbrella conspiracy uh, that everyone's interpreting differently and how radicalization online happens. I realized that not only had the fandom menace become a part of the machine, uh, it became a more extreme part of the machine. You know, like the most popular video on my channel is the episode I did with Trey and Bill for Skywalking Through the League, where we talked about Alex Jones going on that Friday Night Tights episode and watching them all capitulate to what Jones is saying for like an hour and a half. And like the, the and like how uh, like horrifying it is, where Jones is doing the whole like, oh well, everybody in Hollywood's they're all drinking baby blood, and it's like, whoa! And like you have someone like Jeremy from Geeks and Gamers go, yeah, it, that's right, Alex. That's why we do what we do. And there's just this moment of whiplash where it's like, is that why you do what you do? Like, are you like a like? Have you been a closeted, uh, deeply anti-Semitic mm-hmm. moron this entire time? Or are you a grifter? Or are you just angry that the person holding the lightsaber in this movie has a vagina? Like, what? Like, is it a mix of all three? Like, why do you actually do what you do? And that's the thing is that they fundamentally, there's that word again, they don't have beliefs. And that and no. it's only demagoguery. And it's only the next day, the next check, the next click. They surrendered any ideology. Because there was point I think not not dissimilar, you know, between the rift from the empire to the first order, where there is a difference, and this is not to give Palpatine or anyone like him any credit, you know, for people listening, but this is to say there's a difference between Sheev Palpatine and Masameda gaming the system into tearing itself down with maneuvering yeah. than there is the, as Snow called him, rabid cur pressing button and system go bye-bye. There is a ravenousness to them now their only belief is that well it, it used to be better 
well, what about it? it used to be better. I don't know. It just used to be better. They, they have, they have nothing and, and it's moral bankruptcy um, that keeps them going. Absolutely. And that's, that's what moral... I think is present in the stories. And that's why it's horrifying when it gets co-opted by its real life. Yeah. And I think the thing that most terrifies me about all of it is that the biggest, the biggest terror for it, for it, that that really scares me, is that the front door of the pipeline now mm-hmm. is using language just as radical and just as incendiary as the deepest point of the pipeline. Yeah. The window has we're like the Overton. Yeah, the, the entire fandom menace has turned into nerd QAnon. And again, I'm not going to pretend that like I'm an expert on the matter. I listen to a lot of people who are experts talk about this stuff, and I listen to them talk about it a lot. And when I say that it is hard to tell the difference from a, a negative 48 or a Mike Lindell or a Tucker Carlson or an Alex Jones in terms of their rhetoric. And like what they are saying, what they are implying, their style, how they frame these issues and their nerd counterparts. The only difference is that in theory, the stakes are lower because we're talking about superheroes and space wizards. Yeah. Until the people listening to those conversations vote. Bingo. That's the thing. It's, it's a self-perpetuating. It's, it's the Ouroboros of shit. And, and it will keep feeding itself and, and eating its own tail. I mean, it's the, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. Like, oh, that caught me off guard. <laughs> There's some levity in this in this dark turn that the conversation took. I mean, yeah. it, but it's 100% true. And, and the, we have a responsibility to explore these topics because, especially within the context of our Star Wars love, because the story is asking us to do that. The story yeah. is asking us to have these conversations. I mean, I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. People say sometimes that they don't think the three trilogies are connected. I'm not saying you have to like all of them, but I am saying the very simple, very simplified version of how it all makes sense to me is that the prequels are about isolating somebody. The originals are about putting all of your hopes on one person. And then the sequels finally embrace collectivism. And that's, Precisely. that's you know, that's the power of the, of the, the galaxy fleet, the citizens fleet. That's the power of I am all the Jedi is that it's finally, it's like, we're not going to pin our hopes on one like we did to this boy's father and then this boy we're not going to do it again. And we as a people, as a society, consuming stories and having conversations in, a, in an internet landscape that is so often based on hatred, radicalization, bigotry, um, and all manner of disgusting behaviors, we have to embrace collectivism as well um, and have to you know, fight for someone that you don't know and fight it ideologically and actually understand um, what we stand to lose with something that seems very low stakes, like you just said. And with all that, as we sort of start to wind down, you know, I said we were going to talk about some of the villainy. And this is, I think, a perfect place to expand upon that. Because like you said up top, everybody, we love our villains. Everyone does. Um, everyone has one that they identify with, whether it's someone uh, in, the, in, the, in the Disney mythology of like Ursula and Scar and uh, Frollo and all those classic characters, or if it's in Star Wars, if it's in comic books. What is it for you about the villains in terms of what they are teaching you? Um, because... To love them is to examine them. To love them is to understand why they're like this. What have you learned from them as you have embraced the online moniker of Dark Jedi, as you have fought these Twitter battles, as you have have you have ridden that line? Because I don't think that there are great Jedi. 
but I, I do, agree completely. Yeah, but I, I do think, think that there are that there are you know as we've seen in the higher public there there's there's a time to put up or shut up essentially. And so <laughs> here's my thing with the whole concept of the dark Jedi and the gray Jedi. I think that those terms exist uh, solely to label characters with some amount of precision, even though the title is not entirely precise. What I mean by that, I would only call Rebels era Ahsoka a gray Jedi because she is a light side force user who is not actively identifying as a member of the Jedi force religious sect. And I think that dark Jedi is a great term for an Asajj Ventress, a Kylo Ren, someone who is not a card-carrying Dark Lord of the Sith in terms of their religiosity within the Force. But are fallen Jedi Knights. But are fallen Jedi Knights who are using the dark side. Yeah. And and I was like, that is a very, like, like, that's what that terminology, I think, does its best for. I think when you get into shit like the Grey Jedi, I don't, I don't understand how you can explain what a gray Jedi is and you not just kind of chuckle at yourself. Like yeah. the whole, like they use the dark side and they use the light and they don't do the, but do, do, do. I love how the High Republic just like walks in, goes way seeker and drops the mic and goes, here's like an actual, like ideologically functioning version of this anime bullshit you're trying to come up with. Cause that's <laughs> it what is, it is. It is so anime, my God. That's, that's, what it, they, that's the pitfall of EU in a lot of ways. Yeah, you, you, yeah is that you want to have... You want to have a good guy what about who fights the bad guy, what about but also like brutally kills other bad guys. Like I think like, as much as I love Kyle Katarn as a character, I think one of the worst things to ever happen to Star Wars discourse is I don't think there's a dark side and a light side. I think it's just the force and all that matters is how you use it. No, yeah, no. no, there's not buddy. The whole point is that the dark side eats away. <laughs> That's the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. It's that idea of, oh, well, I can learn this power and do the one thing until the one thing's not good enough anymore. And, you know, it, you cannot, I mean, it's, an, it's addictive for a reason. It's, yeah. it's, it's whatever parable framing you want to put it in. The most real world framing we can put it in is that it is any really hard substance that a human being can do in our world. Yeah. You know, from heroin to to crack cocaine, whatever that's going to be, that one party, that one time, um, is a slippery slope. Especially for people that are, you know, and that's the the conversation again of like the, the the religious oppression and all that stuff with the Jedi on the light. But yeah, there is no oh, like I think in in Legends, Luke was able to use Force Lightning, and they called it Electric Judgment. I think well, so Electric Judgment and Force Lightning were two distinct powers okay like electric judgment itself was basically a non-lethal version of force lightning where it's like it itself is the, sounds very anime <laughs> which is which sounds silly but like the utility of like here's a force taser versus versus like i'm going to send out an entire electrical storm out of my hands yeah and like you know instantaneously flash fry somebody right versus the ability to just kind of someone in the side but Luke also was capable of just straight up force lightning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cause you know, power, you know, cool. like his ability trees and star Wars, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think that the thing that the villains for me, uh, you know, it's so weird, you know, cause like, it's like, Oh, the dark Jedi. And I like, I, I like to have, I like, it's like, it's a, 
it sounded cool. I have no other reason, you know, like I, I, it was my, it was my social media handle and, you know, going all the way back to like my content creator journey. That's where it started. Like the, 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 the gentleman who runs what is now known as project louder or used to be known as do back discussion uh, saw me at a con and, you know, saw me and, you know, I think I was, I was there just Anakin Skywalker mm. and we just started talking and, you know, I, I'm as a fan, one of those unicorns where I love legends and I can talk about legends all day long, but I also think that the sequels uh, are amazing. And uh, I don't think Kathleen Kennedy is the antichrist. And I, you know, it was, I like, I like all of Star Wars basically, you know, like there's some parts of Star Wars. I'm like, that's dookie, but it's Star Wars. So I love it. And he tagged me onto that show and everybody kind of had a name and he just went with what my social media said. Cause it's dark Jedi 2552. Cause I was like, dark Jedi sounds cool as a J in it. My name's Jared, you know, like, it, it sounded cool and then it stuck and you know saying jared the dark jedi rolls off of your tongue a little easier than jared bachman stubs and it just kind of stuck because of dewback and i was like i like really liked that being like a title like the dark jedi and i was like cool it, it sounds cool as hell uh in terms of like the villains of Star Wars, though, you know, I think that a lot of them is are, a lot of them display how our institutions are fallible, and how they absolutely can fail us. And there are some people who, when they are failed by them, uh, become emblematic of those failures. If, uh, if if the Jedi by the time of the prequel trilogy and by the time of the Clone Wars were a functioning institution, you would not have Count Dooku. Uh, if they function correctly and you were, you were able to catch people before they fell, you would not have within quick succession of each other, Barris, Ophie and Anakin Skywalker both kill uh, to varying degrees uh, members of their own order. I think that there is some, I I think a lot of it is about the failure of the heroes. Uh, You know, I, you know, Kylo Ren and Darth Vader are my favorites. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they are mirror images of each other. You know, what's your, people ask me, what's your favorite Star Wars quote? I will always say uh, Star Wars is like poetry, it rhymes. And there's also something Star Wars has to it. You know, no other franchise really gets to play around with uh, is are, are those reoccurring moments and motifs and themes uh, that specifically happen, and particularly with the Skywalker family, that Darth Vader and Kylo Ren happened or the same story backwards where Anakin Skywalker is a prophesied chosen one who is born into slavery and squalor, who is freed by the Jedi, who becomes this war hero, whom I'm not blaming Padme by virtue of the way he is trying to maintain a selfish romantic love, a toxic possessive romantic love falls to the dark side becomes this monster and it is the familial love of his son that helps pull him back through to the other side uh where he is redeemed and finds himself again on the light side of the force 
And if you look at Ben, he is born into a legendary family. He's not some prophesied chosen one created by the Force. He just has the same level of greatness attached to him that Anakin and Luke had. And he feels uh, imprisoned uh, by his own power and by the Jedi. And it is a perceived lack of a familial love uh, that opens the door for him to be radicalized and turned to the dark side. And it is through a romantic love that helps him see the light that helps him finally realize uh, that he can come home. And he does that and is pulled through the other side and finds himself on the light side again. You know, Darth Vader is born in a horrifying hellfire in the third, in their third movie where he is irrevocably injured and has his body destroyed, taken away from him. And is basically told, you've made your decisions, you've made your bed, now you must lie in it. And has to live the rest of his life in this horrific armor that is emblematic of every horrible thing that has happened to him and every horrible thing that he's done. Uh, Whereas in the third movie, Ben is given a second chance where he is literally healed in like a tidal wave of baptismal water in... In, in, in the wreckage and ruin and, and, uh, and grave of uh, the, the evil that he so badly wants to glorify and look up to. You know, he's literally in the wreckage of the second Death Star. He is in the structure that his grandfather gave his life in. Uh, and it is in the, like, you know, baptismal waters of Kefbeer that his sins are washed away uh, as Ray heals him mm-hmm. and he becomes Ben Solo again. Mm. Like, that all of that happening is just I, I, that's why I love them. You know, we just I went love to, Kylo we just went to church for about four or five minutes. I mean, that's like, <laughs> I mean, it really is just. I could listen to that on repeat and just really think about the themes and really think about the characters and and even you know, and we could go into such a we could do a whole episode just on that. I mean, the fact that for Vader it was the son pulling him back, but for Ben it was the father, and and the way that these things are in, inverted and it's beautiful and it's and it's a stroke of genius from everyone involved jj lawrence kasdan michael arn everybody involved with the creation of kylo ren adam effing driver who is the best actor to ever star war um i really I agree. Do, do believe i mean his performances are ungodly out of this world good um where he can give you the world he can give you the world lifted off of this man's shoulders without saying a line of dialogue for the for the third act of that movie um and the way that you know for them to create this character and say you can't do vader again but what if you could do somebody that was constantly wrestling with that fact what if the character knew you couldn't do vader again and to do that inverse journey um is so so utterly moving um and, and and what they do share um how it's you know anakin the loss of anakin's mother is what helps divert him away from his path but no the loss of ben's mother is what helps push him back on god it's almost like these stories are doing something almost yeah and that yeah. and what you just did there with the mothers like i didn't even bring that up but like you literally like think of one thing that happens in anakin's life you can find a parallel to it in ben's and look at how little content we have for ben yeah like look at how many like like compared to anakin who has three movies a t like a, a tv show uh and a handful of books in canon versus, you know, I'd say Anakin three movies talking about, you know, not Anakin, but uh, yeah, like 
you can find one and you can pinpoint exactly to something that was to happen in the other one's life and how they literally happen at different points of the journey. It's the same thing with a mirror held up to it. It's backwards and it's so cool. Absolutely, man. Well, uh, it's like, I know, obviously, like in our, in our in real life, like we we, we got to we got to start wrapping up because we've got you got a life, you got you got work and all this stuff. But that's that's the start of a whole episode in of itself. So we're gonna have to do some sort of epic panel, sort of you get like three four people that really just like deeply love either Ben or Anakin and Ben and do a discussion just on that because it's it's so rich. But as we absorb everything that you just said, someone out there right now is texting their friend like did you know that kef beer was baptismal water um i'm I'm curious um what are the takeaways that you try to impart with your work that people that don't know you that you would want them to pick up from you right here right now what are the lessons that have helped you um as a person, as a human being, applying them to your life. Because the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is because I know how personal this is for you. And one conversation with you immediately, you can tell um, how affecting this is for you, how much it plays into your life. You know, we joke like not everybody in our lives decided to make a career out of talking about the space wizards. Um, and there's a reason for that. It's not that they don't love it. <laughs> it's that we, it's that we became it that we we immersed ourselves in it sometimes to an unhealthy degree but you know like i said yeah it's romantic love and the romantic love can be unhealthy too um as anakin will tell you um so what are the things that you've taken away that you try to charge forward with day to day i think uh a core element of every story that i love star wars especially but you can find this in you know my two favorite superheroes spider-man and batman uh, brave choices, I know. Uh, but at its core, we can always be better and do better. And, you know, as corny as it is, you know, be the change that you want to see. You know, like I I set out to do what I do, uh, you know, once we, we, once we decided that we were going to, you know, break away from do back discussion and do our own thing. You know, I said, like, we're going to be not, not that what we were doing with Dubek wasn't what I liked, but now that like we were in control of ourselves and like I was the person steering the ship, that I was like, we are going to be the internet fandom news place that doesn't rely on the occasional, you know, click baby type stuff like i want i want i want to clean up the environment around me i want to clean up the uh you know i like i want i i want to be the antithesis of everything i dislike you know and i want there to be a complicated complicated spreading of opinions and beliefs uh with regards to the nerd stuff and the real world stuff making up team teen app and you know where i was very much like like, we are a collective we work together we are a unit you know like i said like steering the ship you know was the only real like there is a central command uh you know and i think it's that i think it's we can always do better and you you need to be the thing that makes a difference and that i think there is an individual responsibility on every person uh that when you see the opportunity to do right uh in a situation and to do right by somebody uh that you do it and when you fail to do so or you do wrong by somebody uh it is on you to do everything in your power to course correct 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right there off the top of my head, it's, you must unlearn what you have learned. Uh, you know, save what you love, not fight what you hate. And then also Qui-Gon, I don't choose the light because I'm trying to win some cosmic game. I choose the light because it's there. Yeah. That's, that, that is, that's, that's Jared, the dark Jedi, my friends. That's, that's a little bit of, a little bit of rock and roll, a little bit of brawler spirit, but following those, those, those lessons, those, those core tenets. And uh, man, this has been such a great and, and enlightening and expansive conversation. Um, and, and I know for a fact that we could easily go two, three, four more hours. Uh, oh, for sure. And one of these days we're definitely going to have to, but for right now, I'm going to say, man, thank you so much um, for everything that you've given to this show, for the spirit that you put behind it into questions that you've answered before and just stuff that you've talked thank about you very before, much. but you really, you come in and, and easily one of the most authentic people in this space. So I want everybody that supports me to go support you as well, because there's definitely um, a shared language there between what we're doing and what we're trying to do and what we try to do for the space. So give everybody the rundown of what's on Nerd Academy, what the shows are, whatever way you want to take your plugs, floor is yours. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, the Nerd Academy podcast, uh, we're on YouTube. We have a video version of the show, so you can watch the show or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, the main show, the Nerd Academy podcast, is uh, nerd-centric entertainment news. Uh, we also do topic episodes uh, as well, so like every so often there will be us just riffing about a specific topic. Uh, Knights of the Nerd Republic, same exact thing, only it's Star Wars. Uh, we have a show called The Number One Contender where we talk about the movie trivia Schmodown. Uh, you know, season nine is slowly coming uh, coming up on the horizon. Uh, Nerd Academy Movie Club is coming back really soon, uh, which I'm very excited to get the uh, ball rolling on that one. Uh, our patrons get the audio commentaries and the episodes early. We just do movie reviews and every month there's a different theme for what we do. And uh, Campus Life, which is a show where we just kind of riff around and talk and you know you, you you get you get to see the oh these are all people who've known each other since high school except for connor we met him via Dubak. uh but these are all people who have known each other for forever and a day and we're just talking uh you know and sometimes the conversations get nerdy sometimes it's a, a two-hour episode where we are screaming at each other about whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich that's my favorite episode of campus life look because you can't just bring up heated ass questions like that right at the end all right that's that's too much now i'm gonna have to go listen to it and i'm gonna have to reignite the war because i have lots of then you end up in this the uncrustable smuckers part of the conversation then you then you could be chaotic and bring ravioli into the situation (laughs) it's too much but anyway continue well yeah uh that's what we do we have a patreon uh, if you like what you see on the channel or in our podcast feed, you can absolutely support us there. It'd be greatly appreciative of that. Uh, yeah, and then I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram at DarkJedi2552. Well, there it is, my friends. There it is. Uh, again, can I thank you enough for everything that you've given this evening in this conversation? It's been so thoughtful, so insightful. Uh, again, with the right amount of uh, the punk spirit that I think George Lucas would want us to have when we're talking about this stuff. So all those links are going to be in the description below. Uh, we're going to continue, obviously, to work together and pop in on each other's shows and stuff. And uh, it's always a great time uh, with our group of friends. We're lucky to have the Star Wars community that we do. So as for absolutely 
Yeah. So as for Octo Radio, you can find the show um, on all your podcast platforms, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's this show, um, the one-on-one interview show that I do with all manner of guests. Obviously, you're listening to the Jared episode right now. Coming up, we're going to have Amanda Wirtz on the show. We're going to have Daniel Jose Older coming back for the third time on the show. You can go back and listen to Ash Crossan, uh, Naomi Aki, uh, Kelly Knox, Ken Knapsack. It's a, a bevy of guests, all of whom that I'm proud to have had on, to have, to have known. This is the same thing that I fell into with Around the Galaxy because I went on that show literally the episode either immediately before or immediately after Matthew Stover. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, no pressure. No pressure. Stuck in a a murderer's or a guest. That's a good problem to have though. Um, yeah i mean then, it's a high honor and then i'm like i'm just i'm like i'm i i i am i am this like poster child for dick joke journalism and then here's like you know just a guy <laughs> yeah i'm uh, just this goof ass you know, this guy that wrote one of the most poetic and beautiful star wars pieces of star wars prose ever done um but yeah, and then add the second show, our sister show hosted by the incredible Tori Fox, the Mandatorian Creed. That's where all the Book of Boba Fett coverage has been. So if you're like, where are those episode reviews? Head over to that show. We've been breaking it down. We've had some special guests on for those as well. And then for the Star Wars Rebels fans, of which I am one, probably my favorite whole piece of Star Wars aside from Return of the Jedi and Last Jedi, we have a rewatch between worlds where me and Nikki Kumar from the Imperial Senate podcast break down all of Star Wars Rebels in depth with commentaries, analyzing not just the show, but also the behind the scenes, also the themes, all this stuff. Um, And it's a ton of fun. And then you can find me personally at that Alden Diaz. You know how to spell that T-H-A-T and then it's A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that's where I'm posting long ass threads and every thought that comes into my mind. And so you can go check all that out right now. Wake but, up, babe. New Alden thread just dropped. New Alden thread just dropped. And uh, if that's a great thing or a terrible thing, you decide. Um, and also, uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave some reviews. It's great. Spotify too. That's a thing on Spotify now. That's right. Spotify, you have reviews as well. If you haven't been driven off of the platform by recent things that were said, you can scroll down, uh, leave some reviews. There's also Spotify questions and polls. I decide what they're going to be literally when I'm uploading the episode. So whatever I decided, it's down there and you can participate. Um, So for right now, that about does it for Jared and myself. So for me, for the Knights of the Nerd Republic, punch it, Chewie. (laughs) 